Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 191 of the show. My name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. What's going on? It feels like it's been longer than, um, I don't know. Two weeks, right? Yeah, yeah, two, I guess three from the last time we recorded together. But yeah, yeah, I was just so used to how we normally did it that it was kind of weird for the solo one. And then when Zach was on, just trying to get used to that. But yeah, uh, good to be back. A lot of good ball played over the weekend. Uh, I guess the main storyline, Southampton are confirmed going down. Arsenal's title hopes are pretty much done. Chelsea earned their last point probably of the year. And uh, Liverpool, as of today, are continuing to push those those two teams above them to mess up and earn a top four spot. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy um, how things went this weekend. I mean, I, I think we expected for the most part like City would would pull through. They'd have a um, a good game. They did, but everything else, I mean, outside of maybe United, who I expected to beat Wolves, was kind of strange. Um, Aston Villa knocked Tottenham off. Palace went up against the Bournemouth side, who I thought could maybe contend in that game. They won pretty handily. Arsenal got smoked. Um, yeah, kind of a, a crazy week. And then the first game was one of the ones that I just wasn't expecting. So I guess we can jump right in, right? Yeah, the, the pick them though, for last week before we get into the Leeds-Newcastle game, uh, Evan went 3-7. and seven. I went 7-3. and three. And Zach went eight and two, so he's crushing it. I got my first positive week in a while after uh, I mentioned the Boz curse. I don't yeah. know if I said that with you on here, but ever since he was on, my picks have been down bad. Zach gave me some tips last week, and it worked out. So oh, good. All right. Um, well, I suppose we will get right into the first game, which was Leeds United two. Newcastle too. This one just did not go how I don't I think anybody really expected. Luke Ayling got the scoring started off really early in the seventh minute, uh, and then we had to wait quite some time for Newcastle to strike back. He, Callum Wilson, that is, uh, scored on a penalty in the 31st, then added another in the 69th. It looked like Newcastle might be able to get out of this one with three points, but Rasmus Christensen stole one back in the 79th minute. And the game stayed level from there. This was a much better performance from Leeds than we've seen uh, really rounding out the season. Nine shots for those on target. They didn't have a ton of possession, but they played well. Uh, They played as a team. And this is a huge draw against the Newcastle side who have been really good all season and really haven't stopped all that much uh, coming down the stretch, you know, they've got guys back. Uh, Isak is, is fully back now. He's playing out on the left instead of the center. But Wilson has been in red-hot form. And really, the team, they're not missing that many people. So I don't think anybody expected a draw from Leeds and Newcastle. Uh, but that's what we got. Uh, and Leeds, right now, where they are in the table, it's a huge point. They're on 31. They're only a point behind Everton. They're three points behind Nottingham Forest. Um Coming down the stretch, this draw could prove to have been, you know, everything that they needed. You mentioned not a lot of people getting this fixture right. Zach and I took a chance, and we we saw a draw coming for Big Sam on his home debut. Same. The he's been building the culture there. It seems like we, the stuff I've been hearing day after day from multiple people on the, listening to podcasts throughout the day and work, um, is just him not having time to really get the tactics 
spot on or get a system really going. It's more of just getting that chemistry team team bonding and not just the team with the staff and the the backroom staff and like the cooks and stuff. Just getting everybody on the same page and trying to get level with the fans like just we're in this together so right matt and the the sad thing was they had a chance to go up 2-0 with bamford but he missed his pen and then he gave newcastle the opportunity to go up the other end and and uh score for themselves on their own penalties from wilson with a brace who's been absolutely crushing it yep. um we saw isak and him start again to get in this game and it wasn't successful in open play but um i don't know we'll see moving forward what eddie Howe decides to do but yeah i think leeds out of all the teams in that bottom five had the most successful uh result out of the if you but i said between them and fours i'd say leeds tying newcastle is a bigger result and moving forward with their last two games it gives them a massive massive uh chance to stay up because uh Zach and I looked at their last three. It was this game. They play West Ham this week, and then uh, a lot. They ended off with Spurs, and I think if they can earn three points in uh, one of those games, I think that gets some. I think thirty-five keeps you up here this year. Yeah, or I, thirty-four. Yeah, I think I'd agree. Um, and we'll move on into another one that had uh, relegation. Um, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Relegations complications or yeah implications implications there you go uh southampton nil fulham two southampton are officially your first team to be relegated from the champions league this season they will be going down uh they just could not get it done against fulham who have had a bit of a resurgence over the last week two weeks really um even being without mitrovic i think well he was back but they've been really really good uh, the last two games. So Southampton, now four losses in a row, just didn't get up for this one. I think they knew they were headed down, but uh, you know it didn't really make any sort of difference whatsoever. Only one shot on target, 35% possession. They let Fulham control the game. Uh, Carlos Vinicius and Alexander Mitrovic both getting on the score sheet. Carlos Vinicius has been really good. Uh, since sort of you know filling in for uh, Mitrovic, but it was nice to see him get back in off the bench, and you know I thought just a really good performance from Fulham here. Uh, it's not like they're playing for much, to be honest with you. I think right now they're around tenth. They're yeah, they're right in tenth, two in their la- or two wins in their last two, uh, with a chance to to maybe overtake Brentford in the nine spot. So probably no European competition for Fulham next year, but. Still, I'd say an impressive season uh, for being newly promoted, and Southampton will be taking the place that Fulham had last year. I don't, don't really see a way back up for Southampton, to be honest with you. Yeah, for Fulham, we we mentioned last episode, Zach and I, what their motivation was. You mentioned, and uh, Marco Silva said they want to beat their their highest point total ever in a in the top flight, and I think it was fifty three. So. They're two points off that, obviously, a win in, in their last two games, which I think their last two games are pretty favorable. Um, they play Palace this weekend, and then they end the year off at United, which isn't... That might be more inclined for United to get the win, obviously, with Liverpool playing the way they are. But if they can beat Palace this upcoming weekend, I think they complete their goal, and then they can they can end the year early and go off to the beach. So, yeah, we're seeing guys like uh, Willian continue to play well. Harry Wilson, since... 
Um, Pereira has gotten injured, and he and uh, De Cordova really lost form. He's really gotten that place in his own. Uh, Vinicius as well. You mentioned he's been filling in Mitrovic's role well, and they didn't throw Mitrovic straight back into the game. Uh, Vinicius' goal was pretty fortunate. It was a weird deflection and right into his path for a tap in, and then Mitrovic makes a short appearance and gets a goal, and that's all he did was just the, the goal, nothing else. But the Southampton side was really sad. It seems like they just it was a just limped the way the rest of the way. There's no fight as like we're seeing with the other four teams who are really trying to dog it out and give everything. Uh, I might have to take that away from Leicester after watching today's result. But... <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's just there's nothing there. You have guys in the back with no really no chemistry going on. Um, obviously, their main two center backs are injured in Salisu and Belakachup. You got guys like Lianko and Bednarek who, at the start of the year, were nowhere near this team. Bednarek was loaned out initially the first six months to Villa and never got playing time there. And then, uh, obviously, given starting time to Bazunu was not a good plan. So it's. I think ultimately changing Ralph Ralph Hassan, who was a mistake. The Southampton went under new ownership this year, backed by a Serbian uh, warlord, whatever you want to call it, just a billionaire, millionaire. Yeah. And um, they're trying to buy, buy uh, sports teams throughout the Europe. So I don't think the investment was there, The not just money-wise, but like emotionally. And like they didn't really care about the culture in that because Southampton's been in this league for... 11 years now and back in the day they were how bright we view brighton now as like a feeder club they mentioned van dyke luke shaw mane um adam lalana uh they forgot to mention only the streets remember ricky lambert that's right um so yeah i mean it's plenty of guys there granzala pele so yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's it, i don't know if we're gonna see them back up I don't think I'm not sure if we'll get the bounce back like we Burnley did this past year, but um, I'd like to see them back within the next two years. I would say if you're not back up in the first two years, then you're you're really screwing yourself financially. So um, I'm interested. I'm interested in this seeing if anybody takes James Ward Prowse because he's been with that club his whole life. Um, obviously, only for his set piece prowess, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, the last two games, we'll see if they just play all the youngsters or if they just keep trying to play uh, how they have been, which either way isn't going to be the most enjoyable to watch. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I personally can't see um, Ward Prowse sticking around to go battle it out in the championship. I just think uh, at his, uh, he's it's not like he's old or anything like that, but uh, I just, I, I don't see it happening. I think... He'll be on his way to a better side, and hopefully he can do something with the remainder of his career because he is a good player, and he, he deserves to be playing for a, a better team, in my opinion. Yeah, so. they're saying maybe he, stucks it out. he sticks it out for a year after that if they're not back up immediately, maybe he leaves. But I don't see him going to anywhere above a mid-table. I'd say maybe like a Brentford or um, uh, a Wolves or a Palace or like right. one of those types of teams. I don't see him getting into a top top seven top eight team the current teams up there yeah so, i don't think so either so, or maybe he goes with a newly promoted team you never know that yeah. burnley team is looking really it's like a project you want to get involved with um with jj watt becoming like a steward yep. ownership and that. Oh, no, so no. yeah they're growing their brand and trying to build and be a mainstay in the league with their new style 
Uh, okay, let's move on to the next one. Chelsea 2, Nottingham Forest 2. I'll let you handle this one. Surprisingly enough, I predicted yep. this game right. Uh, both of you guys picked Chelsea. This was the one, only one of two Zach got wrong, but it was uh, to be expected. You're playing at home. There's not really much motivation. I just thought Hungry Dog with Forest um, after their massive result in the previous fixture they had so and it, it started off in perfect fashion with uh inform awanyi getting another start up front scoring on the 13th minute off a cross where both our center backs didn't communicate as well as edward mendy um just about all three of them scissoring each other and awanyi comes out getting the header yep um kovacic comes off at the half with an injury um not rooting for injuries, but it's better that he doesn't finish the year because he's probably going to leave. Uh, Loftus Cheek comes in, another guy that might be out the door. Surprisingly enough, a guy that has gotten a lot of criticism, Sterling gets a brace in the second half, the second assisted by Loftus Cheek, and then um, lack of focus and and drive. Awani equalizes a few minutes later off a point blank header. So, um, Jao Felix at the striker was coming so far deep to receive the ball. We didn't have a number nine. Uh, Matoweke is so one-footed. Anytime he goes down the right to cross with his right, it's like uh, one of my 11-year-olds trying to cross the ball. Yeah. Um, I felt like Sterling on the left, that's been his most natural position. That's like where he would play in this Man City team. Kind of how Jack Grealish is being used. That's where he needs to be. Um, Enzo is playing as the most mid guy. He can't really get too much involved because he plays a lot deeper than probably where he needs to be. Um, Gallagher is trying to emulate Frank Lampard in any sense and just be that dog. And the back line, I mean, with James and Chilwell out, that's pretty much all of our identity out. And you put in a youngster in Lewis Hall who has played sporadically throughout the year. And um, through the U21 team, he plays his natural position is center mid. So for him filling in at left back, left wing back as an 18 year old kid is uh, commendable. And uh, surprisingly, child butt right back. Obviously, he's a center back, but he filled in pretty well and got the assist on the first goal, too. So proud of him there. And uh, Edward Mendy, stinking performance. Yeah. After <laughs> he, hasn't, he hasn't started since the World Cup. Obviously, you got to get some rust off. So I'd like to see him play another game or two before the season ends. Um, obviously, he's not happy with his current status in the team, with his contract, um, not feeling he's uh, he's uh, earning what he should. And uh, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of guys that need to go. A lot of guys that that we want to leave probably aren't because um, the Premier League is so inflated with so much television money and so many sponsorships that. The other leagues are so far behind. I mean, Brentford and Bournemouth and Forrest are outspending entire Power 5 leagues. And um, having to sell players on their inflated wages are just, it's not cap it's not possible to get rid of all those people in one season. So it's going to be a long process. The, mo the bright spot from this weekend came with uh, Pochettino being announced as the manager. And uh, we'll, we'll see later this week some pictures of him. Uh, I don't know if he'll have a press conference or not. He's probably going to be back, back door, back in the background, like not trying to get involved with the team. Uh, maybe some shadow management, trying to let Frank know, get some certain guys more playing time to see what he's working with this summer. And 
after that, they're going to be putting on their runners and they're going to be sprinting a lot this summer with his routine. Yeah, and that's a good thing. I, I think that's definitely the main thing you have to take away from you know this past week in football as a Chelsea fan is the appointment of Poch. I mean, that is going to be huge. It's going to absolutely transform uh, Chelsea in terms of what we came to, to see this year and what we can expect next year. It is going to be two entirely different product i mean i know it's not all on the manager and you know things need to be done in terms of dropping dead weight out of this team and let's be real there is a lot of dead weight uh but you know he's gonna drill these guys and they're going to be a much better unit uh come this time next season if if i had to venture a guess but in terms of forest uh like i said last week i will all need does not want to go down uh, he has been in red hot form. They're on 34 points. They've got two wins and a draw uh, out of their last four. The other one being a loss. So in pretty decent form, and it's looking ever more likely that Nottingham Forest will be in the Barclays Premier League next season, which I think is a good thing. Um, not not terrible this year. Really good at home, I thought uh, throughout the entire season. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do next season as long as they maintain their status as a club in this league. So we'll have to see. It was very kind of Chelsea um, to give them a point here. They they surely uh, will be happy with that. Okay. Yeah, that was only their seventh point they've earned on the road. And yep. it's going to come down to that last game, I think, on paper because they, they are home this weekend, but it's against Arsenal, so... We'll see what happens there. Well, if we play like we did against Brighton, not really going to be that big a deal. Um, no. All right. Aston Villa 2, Tottenham 1. This one went immediately in favor of Aston Villa with Jacob Ramsey scoring in the eighth minute. Douglas Louise added one in the 72nd to ensure that Villa walked away with three points. Harry Kane, because of course Harry Kane scored a penalty in the 90th minute, but Spurs were outmatched. In the attack in this one, four shots on target, four Villa, eight shots total, just two, four Spurs, and five shots on target. Possession was pretty much right in the middle, um, and not like Spurs really lined up all that differently than they have been. We didn't see Perisic in this one. We saw Davies in the left wing back position and Poro out there as well, skipping Hoiberg in the center. But Villa, I mean, when you look at them on paper and you consider how Ramsey and Buendia and Watkins have been playing, and even Douglas Louise, really, to a degree, uh, towards the end of the season, like, these guys have been good. They Villa have more chances uh, on headers than I think I've seen any any team in the league this season. Mings and Kansa have so many different chances to score on headers, and I just think... They're they're a good side. They were really a good side since uh, Unai Emery came in. They're in eighth. Uh, they're battling really with Tottenham for this. This was a huge game in terms of European uh, qualification, and it's looking like Villa will probably make their you know make their way in. I don't think Brentford are going to catch them, uh, but it was important that they take three points here, and they were able to do so against a Tottenham that you just like you never know who's going to show up besides Kane. And really, like, just not enough players did. Spurs have three losses in their last five. The other two results being a win and a draw. So not great form for Tottenham. Uh, and they're still managerless. So not not ideal. And I don't think the um, assignment of Poch to Chelsea 
made uh, many fans happy. I think they were hopeful that they'd be able to get him back, and now it's looking ever more likely that they'll have to reach for maybe Julian Nagelsmann or somebody of that caliber. Yeah, I don't think they're even in on him. No, I don't, I don't, I don't they, either, but... And they, I think they passed on him. I think there's other guys they're looking at. I think I heard the Celtic manager. Um, I think there's a Portuguese manager as well. Um, Graham Potter's out there, Brendan Rodgers. I mean, there's. I think they have a list of five or six guys, not on their short list, but top-end top, top end guys maybe. Sure. Um, they're level on points with Villa after this result, only ahead by goal differential. And I think this pretty much sealed themselves out of Europa League as well, Brighton above by one point, but they have two games in hand coming up soon. So they're they're fighting for their European lives. If they want to finish seventh and get in the Conference League and have some sort of European presence next year, yeah, that would be something Ryan Mason needs to push for. If not, they can join the club with us and just be pure English lads the whole year. So um, credit to Villa, another big win for Unai. Another game without Watkins scoring, surprisingly, but they get the job done with their midfield dyna- uh, dynamic uh, duo in Louise and Ramsey. So um, Harry Kane's still pulling a goal out of his ass, forcing a penalty too. So he's continuing that track, uh, trying to build up that that up to thirty goals, which would be something special. And he wouldn't even win the Golden Boot last year. I mean, last year's Golden Boot was twenty two. He's five over that, and he's still nine goals behind Holland. It's insane. So, uh, and as well as another game with Richarlison starting and not scoring. So one of the worst signings so far this year, uh, the record signing and still, it's just, they can't find a way to succeed just like us. So, yeah. Um, I don't really, I like, to be honest with you, I don't think it would be that bad for either of these teams to just focus on playing in the league next season, securing yourself a, a spot in maybe not Champions League, but definitely Europa League the following season, just because I think Tottenham have so much rebuilding to do, and the Villa project with Unai Emery is young. Uh, we know that these projects often are cut short, uh, and Tottenham's project is six, seven, eight years running now, is really as long as Kane's been there, and it feels like the window has probably closed on that as well. Um, but who knows? Maybe maybe Tottenham kick Richarlison into high gear next season. He actually plays. He actually scores. Uh, I don't know. But they certainly need to figure something out because they can't just be this middling team uh, next season that they were this year because they let so many points just slip through the cracks. There's There's a world, there's an alternate universe where Spurs are in fifth or in fourth, you know what I mean? Uh, they just let so much get past them this year in terms of defensive issues and defensive errors, really, with Lloris. I can think of five or, or six different goals that they conceded just because of Lloris's poor positioning or failure to communicate. And next year, they, they have to clean up some of that defense or else it's going to be another year where they're battling around seventh or eighth, you know? Yeah, and we're seeing Eric Dyer's not on the team either. That's and... good. He stinks. Which, uh, if Tottenham and Chelsea both aren't in Europe next year, which situation do you think's worse not having European football? It's worse for Chelsea because of the money that they ha- they have and the names that they have on their team. When you look at you look at Spurs, it's like okay, you have Son and 
Kane's going to leave probably. So like who else do you have besides Son that you need to be seeing on Tuesdays and Wednesday nights in Champions League or or Thursdays for Europa League besides Kane and Son? Like do you need to see Richarlison? Are you expecting to see him? You know what I mean? This this uh, team is just ugh. I would say it's worse for Tottenham because you for the same reason Chelsea have the financial support to still bring in top end talent and give them those high end contracts whereas Tottenham without that money they can't offer those contracts they're still paying off for the new stadium and Levy's tight with his money and they're not really bringing in too many signings they just spent 60 on Charleston he hasn't scored a goal so I don't think it's as enticing to go to Tottenham and I think the only way Richarlison succeeds is if Kane leaves because he needs to play as the nine. Yeah, he has to play. I think that well that's that's a we're looking at it in two entirely different ways. I'm thinking about it as I guess like a general spectator or maybe even how a fan would would okay. look at it. And then okay. the financial like obviously financially it's it's a disaster if Spurs aren't in any sort of European competition whatsoever because of, because of the pay bump, like you said. Um, that allows you to entice bigger players and offer bigger contracts to those players. And if you're not able to do that, of course, it's it's entirely catastrophic. So I, I totally understand what you mean. I think the way that I was looking at it at least was as a Chelsea supporter, like it's you feel embarrassed that they're not qualified for any sort of European competition, right? Next year yeah. or not really. Like I, I, I think th- some people like you, you're obviously a very realistic Chelsea fan, right? But there are a, a lot of unrealistic Chelsea fans too, who don't care and think they'll be right back at it next year, which is probably true. But I think with the Pochettino news and that's raised some spirits. And I'm sure as we get closer to the season, people's, expectations are going to get higher and higher i think i started when the when we were at the peak of this being the worst before these last two results and probably during that long run i mean i think i was thinking maybe seventh eighth next year and now i'm thinking more so fifth sixth sure as depending on how many people leave it could be higher than that depending on who comes to america in the preseason tour if he takes only 25 26 guys Compared to last year, we were bringing 30-some dudes over here, and not everybody was playing consistently. So I don't know. I think if there's a clear plan, if there's a clear group of players that Potts wants to work with and can get in and uh, get rid of certain players and be upfront about who's here and who's not, I think that'll make me have a better a better uh, feeling in my stomach to, yeah. to back them higher. But I think it's... I think top four is totally out of the question. I don't think no matter what he does, I don't think we can get top four because I think Liverpool and City are guaranteed two of those spots as well as United's always up there. Now we have to consider Newcastle. Uh, I think Brighton isn't there yet, but obviously Tottenham's going to come back too, depending on where Kane is. So I think a top top six finish next year would be positive. Yeah, I mean you and Arsenal are are better now. Like yeah, those that's another team that yeah. If they're even at eighty or ninety percent of what they played this year, they're probably in the top four or at least close to it as well. So yeah, it's going to be tight. Like I think next year we're going to see a much more traditional, uh, let's say top four, top six. Um, we saw Brighton like sneak in this year, Newcastle as well. I don't think Newcastle are going to be as good as they were this year, next year. 
just because there's gonna like they're gonna bring in more players. I don't think the system's gonna be as um, cohesive as it was this year. It was just defending. I, I think the more and more they bring in, the more and more time it takes to gel. So that, that might be a strange take, but um, it, it's definitely gonna be interesting to see where Chelsea are next year. But it's gotta be within the top. It has to be within the top eight. I think. It'll be way higher than that. I I can see them finishing fourth or fifth, but um, you know, we'll have to see how things go with uh, with Potch. Okay, um, let me dump Man United to Wolves nil on your plate. Yeah, this was the mainstream game during the goal rush that they showed, and I didn't realize that Rashford was a doubt. So yeah. a lot of people probably sweating that game out because we mentioned in the last couple episodes he's the he's the he's the gas to the car. If he's not in there, they're not going anywhere. So um Martial got it done though. He got the first Anthony had a great game. Bruno Fernandez facilitated the second one to Garnacho. Nice welcome back for him in the ninety third minute on a breakaway. And uh, showed off the new ink on his chest. I think that's new. <laughs> yeah. Who um, knows? He looks like a Bible. He's got ink everywhere. Yeah. So um, crazy to think he's still only like 18 and they locked him to a long-term deal. So the the future for them is looking bright. They have that Ahmad Diallo too that's been on loan coming back. So they have a lot of young talent coming through the ranks. But um, another guy that came back unexpectedly was Rafa Varane. Coming in alongside Lindelof, they could actually push Shaw back to left back, so Malassia didn't have to start. And uh, no, no, no mistakes from De Gea too. So I think that secured him the Golden Glove for the year. I think that's yeah, he six, has it. sixteen clean sheets for them, which is incredible. Um, even though he's had a topsy turvy year, um, Sancho didn't do too much on the left. Uh, Wolves pretty flat. Nothing crazy going on there. We saw some some beef going on. Adama Traore getting stuck in with a couple players. Uh, Craig Dawson also. Um, but yeah, I mean they're they're pretty much out. Their their heads gone. They're just at the beach, just chilling. They're yep. at their forty point mark and they're they're coasting along. So uh, both sides, I guess, happy. We saw Jose Saw not in the team unexpectedly and. Uh, the backup Bentley came in, 29 years old, had a great showing. I thought he was man of the match for Wolves. Yep. Uh, crazy saves. He he was the bane to Anthony in the day. Uh, Anthony should have had a pair of goals, but Bentley was there to match it. So um, United get a big bounce back win after two straight one nil defeats. Um, so it's uh it keeps them a little bit ahead of Liverpool. They're a point ahead with a game in hand as well with coming up next week against Chelsea. And uh, we'll see. I don't know. I think they're still due a bad performance in their last three compared to Liverpool, who I think should run the table. Yeah, I mean, Liverpool are running a riot right now. They've got five in their last five. I think this is seven or eight in a row. But it might seven, be eight. Seven straight wins, nine unbeaten. Yeah, so really good. I mean, Liverpool have been amazing since they made that move where Trent's in the midfield and we'll get to them uh they played today and they looked unstoppable again so uh who knows but I, yeah I think Manchester United are probably due for one more poor performance uh I saw today that Axel Twanzebe is leaving the club uh I think we're gonna see a couple of more guys probably leave the club Bill Jones uh, finally yeah I saw that too um so I'm a lot yeah, they well, they, Wrexham uh, re-signed Paul Mullins today as well. So, Ooh. on a one-year um, 
one-year extension. Kind of crazy to see like non-league football that that we're paying attention to that. But the Wrexham um, whole project has been, it, it's been really cool to watch. Um, but yeah, in in terms of what I thought about this game, Anthony, he's he's truly hot or he's truly extremely cold. This was one of those games where he was productive, and I thought, like you said, could have had multiple goals probably. Uh, wasn't able to do it, but Fernandez, fantastic showing. Martial, he shows up when he when he's called on. Uh, he got the goal there, and then it's good to see Veron back as well. It, it's been nice to uh, finally see him back after that long uh, injury outage that he had. 27 shots, nine of those on target for United. This is the United that we like to watch, and for Wolves, I mean, they, they don't really care at this point. They're on 40 points. They're definitely safe. Uh, and I, I don't really think it, it's much of an issue for them to, to lose this game, especially at Old Trafford. Uh, they're not worried about that. I am curious to see next year what Wolves do, because I know they'll keep Cunha. Uh, I don't really think we have to worry about them getting rid of Ruben Neves or even Mateus Nunez, who I think has been good uh, this season. But guys like Wang Hee Chan, Traore, those are guys that are still young enough to probably go to another team. I don't know what their transfer kitty looks like or, or anything like that, but Diego Costa <laughs> probably not going to be suiting up again next year if I had to venture a guess. Uh, and their manager, you know, they have Lopetegui. He's got a taste for finer things. So I am curious to see if they bring in uh, some more established striking options or maybe even shore up the wings uh, because I don't think Potence and Neto are, are really going to be able to do all that much for you. And Adama Traore still carries uh, a transfer tag. Like People will pay money for that guy. Uh, even though we know he can't score, people are still going to pay money for him. I mean, he was playing in a Barca kit last year. There's there's no saying that he won't move. So That'll be interesting to keep our eye on. Uh, and congratulations to David De Gea on winning the Golden Glove despite having like what I felt was like really not a good year. And he had a ton of, of howlers, but... Even as a good keeper, you you have howlers. I mean, we see it from Ramsdale week in and week out. Um, but yeah, congratulations to the Spanish fella. Okay, let's move on. Crystal Palace 2, Bournemouth nil. My adopted second team with a brace from Everici as a one in the 39th, one in the 58th, and 17 shots. Five of those fell on target. They carried 60% possession through the game and defended well enough to keep a clean sheet. Anderson and Guay, he looked great in this one. Ward and Mitchell on the flanks. Uh, Hughes, Ducouré in the center of the park. And then you had uh, Alise Zaha and Ayu actually up top instead of Zaha as they filled in right behind Ayu and was the key uh, key player in this one. Zero shots on target uh, for Bournemouth. Just weren't able to get it going. Nothing from Billing. Uh, nothing from Solanke, and you know they they they're safe. They're they're not going to go down. Uh, I don't think they're on thirty nine. You're you're right there basically. And uh, I don't know. Like every time I watch them, I'm I'm kind of fascinated by Utara. Uh, I think he's going to be a player that maybe some of the other teams uh, are going to look at. Uh, but in terms of of raw goal output, he's not going to be probably that guy. I just think he's a good midfielder, and I think. Another team, maybe, probably not like Arsenal or Chelsea, but uh, even a uh, like a mid-table team, Brighton, teams like that, those are teams that are going to probably take a look at him. Fulham, Brentford, maybe. He is a good player. So 
that was uh, that was something that I took away from the Bournemouth side. Other than that, I mean, they just looked poor. Uh, Neto in there, but just just got pumped. Palace take the three points. Yeah, Bournemouth's performance was worse than Wolves. They, they didn't yeah, they they were... mention no shots. They just didn't even show up. I mean, it was just whatever for them. Uh, Palace, same situation. They're safe, but had more effort, more free flow. The, uh, it was more so they had the quality on the ball with those front four guys. Uh, you being that that uh, dog hounding for the ball and just taking guys on in the back, the midfield three of Zaha, as I know, let's say, are just slick on the ball. Yep. Unfortunately, Zaha picked up an early second half injury to a hammy, so he might be done for the remainder of the year, and uh, that's unfortunate, but uh, their main problem is just that number nine. I mean, we see the class from Eze and Elise, if they can lock down Zaha for another couple years. If they can find that number nine, how uh, Benteke used to be, and uh, for that little stint he had, I mean, they could move up, definitely. It could be like a 9th, 10th finish maybe even eighth if they really really tried but they have something built in there and for Bournemouth I would say they're safe definitely the 30, 38 and above is safe right now and uh, mathematically but I think this summer window is more important than last summer's was in, in their first season up here um, yeah they really have to finite the squad figure out who had a successful year who can build who they need to move on and i think it mainly comes down to the back line i think they're in a similar situation to Leeds was when they first came up they give up a lot of goals and they really need to solidify that back line and i think lloyd kelly is a good good person to build around and everybody else i think could be replaceable back there yeah um okay let us move on to the next one everton nil man city three jesus uh, is this me? It is. Yeah, this was the the Gundogan show. Yeah. Uh, once again, he bags another brace. Holland had uh, the third. Uh, Gundogan assisted that, and then the commentary brought up the funny point, saying, "Well, we're we're at this situation again. Who's taking the pen?" Yep. Um, obviously, it probably would have been Holland. If not, I think Pep would have ran on the field and kicked the ball out of Gundogan's hands, but. Yeah, I mean, for the first 30 minutes, it was going to plan for Everton. They had a handful of counterattacks that I think they should have gotten at least a shot on target, but Kyle Walker's um, speed tracking back is just top tier and unmatchable. I mean, DCL was in on goal. He touched it by Laporte. And um, if it was anybody else but Walker, I mean, he would get a shot on target, and I think it would have been a goal, but he he crushed their chances there, their hopes. McNeil had a good day um, defensively off the ball. He tracked back as like a left wing back. Mason Holgate had an absolute stinker. Uh, he oh. came off at the half or early second half. And um, for, I think, Connor Cody came on, who has been in the team since Sean Dice has come in. So they went to like a back five to damage control. But we knew this was going to be the result at the end of the day. Man City played with a bit of a rotated team. Uh, to rest up for their second leg in the Champions League at home against Madrid, which is currently 1-1 on aggregate. So, run of the mill. No no De Bruyne. Once again, we saw our boy Calvin Phillips come in for a short appearance, and when he comes in, you know it's a job well done. And a um, bit of beef there with Grealish and Yuri Mina, too. Yep. Mina coming in and taking him out. And 
after the game, there was a bit of a tussle, and Pollen comes sprinting off the bench to come back his boyfriend. So <laughs> the the camaraderie's there, the chemistry's there, and they all know what their job is at the end of the day. And it never looks like there's any cracks in the mold for them ever at any chance. Uh, and if there is, nobody's there to, to jump on pounce on it. So um, I guess I, I've been listening to people. They've been saying, thinking about it, like, is this one of the best Premier League era teams out there, this Man City team currently? Yeah, I don't really even think that's a question. Like, they have the best striker in Premier League history. Not, not by our eye tests, by the fucking statistics. This guy is a sicko. And he probably could have 10 more than he has, to be honest. This wasn't even him at, I don't think, full clip. And they have one of the best attacking midfielders that I've ever seen. And they don't even use him all the time. And their defense is like pretty much rock solid. They have Rodri, who is basically a regen of Busquets, who was a regen of Chabi Alonso, who was a regen of Pep Guardiola. Like they're just sick. They're really good. They have Grealish coming off the bench, Bernardo Silva coming off the bench. This is just an insane team. They're so deep. They're all bought in. Uh, even when they don't have it, like even when they're not there on their best day, they're still good. Alvarez scores when Holland can't, or Mares provides three assists when you're not getting service from further back from Gundogan. And then when the other guys don't feel like scoring, Gundogan goes up and scores two. One from a free kick happens, doesn't matter. And the more and more I watch City, and Gundogan specifically, like he he genuinely might be have been this season the best like holding center mid in the world. I like I really don't even think it's a question. I think he's I think he's a top three midfielder in the world and nobody's really saying that um his I, contract expires this summer well they need they need to get him again and his 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 career was like done and dusted when he left um dortmund. when he left dortmund like i didn't expect to ever hear his name again and then i was like oh city got him and he was good last year but he's been un- unreal this year and i i think like if you put a gun to my head and said, would you rather have Gundogan or KDB in the Arsenal team that I have right now? I'm taking Gundogan every time. Like, it's not even a question. Yeah, he's got 12 goals and 6 assists and 56 appearances this year. Yeah, from his uh, position, that's those stats are amazing. That's not counting all the strings he pulls in the midfield. His best season at Man City was 2020-2021. Uh, he had 13 goals in the league and 28 appearances, so... I mean, if he's given the freedom, he can score 10 to 15 goals for you. And I mean, in a Man City team where pretty much they have six, seven guys that can score you double-digit goals, it's crazy. So Yeah, it's amazing. And uh, with Holland's goal this weekend, it keeps him level with Chelsea's team total this year, both on 36. So we're trying to keep up with the big man. Yeah, it's it's tough, tough stuff. But in in terms of of Everton, I mean this this just went how we expected. We didn't think Everton would be able to beat City. Uh, some of the pundits thought this could be a really tough game for City, yeah. uh, but Manchester City just blew them right out of the water. There was never any chance for them to get back into it after the first half hour. Uh, we saw a good one score, and then I was like, mm, yeah, probably not going to get another goal. 
Uh, you're not going to get a goal from Everton here. This one's pretty much done and dusted, and it was. DCL, yeah, DCL got subbed at the half, and yeah, I think they were coming off such a high after that Brighton win that they kind of said like we we got the shock three points now we can take this however it goes but we have two favorable matches to i think out of all the teams in the fight for relegation right now uh, i think they have the most favorable because both their teams are on the beach they play wolves this weekend away and then they end the year home against bournemouth who we just saw play palace and didn't even show up yeah so it should be good i mean they should they should have a really good chance uh against both of those sides Okay, let's move on. Brentford to West Ham nil. This one didn't really go how I expected. I thought West Ham would show up, but it was the Bees all game. Brian Embuemo with a goal in the 20th. Yoan Wissa with one right before the stroke of halftime. He scored in the 43rd. For the Bees, 24 shots, 10 of those on target. They controlled possession to 54%. Uh, and West Ham just trapped, just truly trapped in the back. Only had like 24, no, they they had 50 less passes than Brentford, but nearly none of it was forward. They did register four shots on target, but they were absolutely trapped in this one. We saw Ings, he had a chance, uh, he actually scored, it, it was converted, but the goal was called back. Uh, they had Cornet starting, Cornet, I, I still don't know how to pronounce his name, he's been on the team for two years. Uh, Lanzini in the center, and then Fornals out on the right. When you don't have Bowen, you don't have Ben Rama, you don't have Rice, and you don't have um, Mikel Antonio, the output is not going to be what what you need it to be. Uh, we saw Downs in there, haven't been seeing a ton of him, and then Suchek alongside him. This is just not a team that is explosive uh, when you look at, at the team that they lined up with. Lanzini, off the pace, doesn't get a lot of starts. Uh, I honestly, I don't think he's even started five games in the Prem this year. Ings, yeah. another guy that you really, like, you cannot rely on him to have explosive speed. He's a good finisher. Um, and then Fornals and Cornet, both guys can show up on their day, but you know they're not Jared Bowen, and Downs is certainly not Declan Rice. So when I saw the team, I expected Brentford to to probably win the game, but. Uh, I didn't necessarily expect West Ham to to just kind of flounder, and that's what it was. Where they're at in the table right now, you they really couldn't afford to just not get a point, but they didn't do it. So, yeah, Lanzini's made six starts this year in all oh, competitions, I was close. and, and um, thirteen total appearances with seven off the bench. But I think this was just heavily due to they had their first leg of the conference semifinals. Uh, this past Thursday, so that's why you had all the starters on the bench. You even had Brentford with Ivan Tony uh, out with a bit of slight hamstring issue. So both teams not one hundred percent, but Brentford came out with the heat and uh, their their attack looked hungrier. Once again, Thomas Frank just same idea with Fulham with Marco Silva. They're just trying to get their best ever finish. I think they probably already have um, the best they can do is finish on 59 points, which would be incredible after just joining the league two, uh, last year. So for the first time ever as well in the Premier League era. So um, great for them. And Buemo is always a sol- solid second man. Even when uh, Tony's out, he can fill in that for that role. Dam's guard hasn't had the best season since joining this year after that uh, Euros he had, I think it was. Or was it? Yeah, it was the Euros he had where he went off for Denmark. But Hasn't really found that shine since then. 
and uh, West Ham with all their second second uh, tier attackers, and they just couldn't get anything going. You mentioned Cornet, Lanzini, four thousand names all being second fiddle to the other guys that came in for them. It just wasn't good enough. Fabianski on the opener had a bit of a stinker, and he had a decent game overall, but. They're right there. Um, right now, Leeds, Leeds in 18th can finish on 37 points with West Ham, but West Ham's goal differential would have to get significantly worse in their last two games. And in their last two games, I think they play Leeds and Leicester. So all they need is one point, and they're good. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's move on to the next. Arsenal nil, Brighton 3. I'll take this one, and it won't be long because this was not a good game. Uh, goals from Julio and CISO, Dennis Undav, and Purvis Estupignan uh, were the difference in this one. A very strong second half for Brighton. Uh, but Arsenal weren't short on chances. I mean, this was not their best attacking performance whatsoever. Uh, but they did have a couple of chances. Saka, Jesus, not really Martinelli. He got subbed off pretty early after a knock with uh, Estupignan. But, man... The season's uh, it's over now. I mean, it it's been over, but this was the completion of the bottle. Brighton, who I sing so many praises about, showed up, and CISO was was great. Uh, they didn't even have, um, you know, a fantastic day from Matoma, and and they just they got it done. McAllister looked great. We weren't able to stop anything going forward. Ben White got caught flat-footed a ton of times. Uh, and CISO and Matoma were, like, switching the whole, pretty much the whole time. Both of them were on the pitch. They were switching from right to left. And I think Matoma's a better left mid. But um, super impressive stuff from Brighton. And, and we get completely blown out of the water in the second half at the Emirates. This is this is a tough one. I I can't say that I was super confident going against Brighton, but I did think we'd win. I thought... I thought we'd we'd try and make it close towards the end of the season, but did he have uh, basically already you know held the trophy up? It, it's unlucky. Yeah, anything but a win on um, yeah it was... Saturday against Forest gives City the title even before they play Chelsea. So yep. it's uh, I don't know. I guess credit to Brighton, they're still pushing after that embarrassing loss to Everton. Great way to bounce back against a top side in Arsenal, but um. I don't know. I guess this ultimately just unfortunate injury to Martinelli. Uh, some would say karma after he absolutely obliterated Matoma. Uh, you saw after, I think it was Caicedo tackled him. Yeah. Forced him the injury to his ankle. You saw uh, Matoma and Caicedo dap each other up saying, uh, I got your back type of thing. But that didn't help going forward and Jesus and Odegaard not in their top day. So, um I don't know. There's, they've deal, dealt with a lot of injuries towards the end of the season that really affected them with Zinchenko and Saliba. And a lot of Arsenal fans and Premier League fans in general, I think, kind of, as the year has gone on, have been a bit misled or their perspective on what the the season goal was at the start for Arsenal really changed. It's hard to see them in first for so long and think, they were fighting for top top four last year. They finished fifth, and yep. the two prior years they finished eighth. So to go from eighth, eighth, fifth to second to fighting for a title, I think is a step in the right direction with such a young team. But just having one hand on the trophy for so long really messes with people's heads. And um, 
just puts a lot of disappointment in fans' heads, or I guess whatever you want to put it. But yeah, I don't know. I think still it's a successful season for Arsenal. Yeah, it's just painful because I really did feel that we'd be able to do it. Uh, City looked kind of shaky at points there in the mid the middle. I think they lost the Spurs one game. They had a one one with maybe Nottingham Forest. Like it wasn't all it wasn't perfect for City at at all points this season. But within the last six weeks, Arsenal went from having like two draws and one or two losses to having six draws and five losses. And the number hasn't changed for City. And that's the difference. That is truly the difference. The game in hand fucked with people. It fucked with me mentally. I constantly was like, when are City playing their game in hand? You know, is this the game in hand? No, no, it never was. And they still have one in hand. And Newcastle has one in hand. And United does. We've played more games because we were eliminated from the other competitions earlier. And I don't know, maybe that fucked us. Maybe looking ahead or looking behind us, knowing City have a game in hand and are playing well, just just totally smoked us. I mean, a four-point lead with a game in hand is, is catastrophic. And we bottled it this year, but I'm hoping maybe next year is different. Uh, as long as Holland is alive, like I don't really see how that's going to happen, but who knows? Yeah, Arsenal have two wins in their last seven in the league. That's terrible. Man City are unbeaten in their last fourteen, with thirteen of those being wins, uh, and they're on a, they're on a eleven game win streak in the league. So I mean, we've we've seen this every year. They go on a ten plus win win streak, mainly Christmas to like February. They that's usually when they go on their massive run. But this year was a bit later and. It just shows how good they are. They're going to finish the year with over 100 goals as well again. They're on 92 right now, and they're joint best defense with Newcastle after their last couple games, both on 31 against. And they're going for a plus over 70 goal differential, which is incredible. So, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, if Arsenal were to have gotten a few more results in their way, and still would have lost to Man City, I think you really don't have anything to hold your head down to because you lost to a better team at the end of the day. Yep, that's the truth. Okay, Leicester City versus Liverpool. Liverpool with a 3-0 win. This one's all you, buddy. Yeah, I mentioned when we were talking about Southampton's performance and kind of finishing the year with a whimper, Leicester on the same path. I mean, you come out, giving up uh, two goals to Curtis Jones. I mean, somebody who was irrelevant for a while and now is fighting for his place in this team. It's uh, And then you put your heads down and there's nothing really going for you. I mean, it's really depressing. I think that result there sinks them. I think their next game they have to go to Newcastle and then they end the year with West Ham, as I mentioned. But at that point, if Everton and Forrest get some type of result this weekend, it, it's over for them even before that final week and um they've, it's it's incredible to see um them go down this path uh trent getting that third as well on a, a free kick mo Salah getting all three assists a hat trick of assists i don't know if he's ever done that in his professional career but we're used to seeing him score all the goals but he was the facilitator yeah. i think konate had a great game he's getting used to that right right uh, center back role filling in for Trent a lot better now than at first when they were still leaking goals. He's used to it now a bit more. 
Uh, Klopp still expects Trent to have some sort of defensive uh, responsibilities, but he's enjoying his ball right now, and it's showing within the stat sheet and in the in the goal and assist column too. So uh, Luis Diaz had a bit of a shaky game. He's still getting the rust shaken off after yeah. that long-term injury. We didn't even see Darwin Nunes get in this game. That's how deep this team is. James Milner coming in, potentially hit one of his last games for the club. He's linked with Brighton, which I think if I were to go to Brighton, I'd be happy with that. Oh, yeah. And um, I guess more focusing on Leicester. They they did get Johnny Evans and Ricardo Pereira back in the team, two guys that I would say are part of their best 11, but it wasn't it wasn't good enough to get any sort of result, even even to get a goal in this game. I think Jamie Vardy had under 10 touches the entire game, so... It's uh, it's really sad to see um, how how this club has gone from the past five seasons finishing in the top ten, winning the league, competing in the Champions League, five thousand to one odds, to now most likely getting relegated and will get picked apart uh, in the summer. Yeah, I mean it is crazy to think that Leicester City are going to celebrate the ten year anniversary of them winning the league, probably in the Championship. That's that's wild. It is just so crazy to see how far things have fallen. They have been raided and raided and raided and lost so many of the players that won uh, that that Premier League that year. And really, they've brought in some guys that are sound replacements. Elements comes to mind. They've. It's not like they've had a complete nightmare in terms of people that they brought in. Daniel Amarty. Not a terrible player. Like, there have been guys they've brought in, and this is not a team, when you look at them on paper, that should have gone down this year, but they were not able to summon anything when it mattered. Their form right now is just so poor. These two losses were the thing that ultimately signed the death note, but still, like, it's just... It is a shame. It's a shame to see them go down because Leicester used to be such a fun team to watch. And when Vardy was, was Vardying, it was a blast. But the the ticker has just it's ticked its last on, on his career. It's a shame, but he was too old to be performing at the clip that he was when he was. He was already too old. So, I mean, I don't really think it's that surprising. But it is a shame, you know, to see Leicester go down. The the relegation is a surprise, but Vardy's drop off, I think, you know, we we were due for that. Yeah, they they have one win in their last fourteen in the league. Um and Jamie Vardy recently was I think had media and was quoted saying his greatest achievement for the club would be to keep them from getting relegated this year, which is a uh, a big statement to make, obviously winning the, the league with Leicester the way they did um, against the likes of City and Arsenal that year, pushing them Tottenham as well. So, yeah, it's sad. He's the last bit of that team left. Everybody else is gone. And I think that's another big problem because a lot of people think there's not a lot of attachment to the cause and to the club. From these players, obviously, you have guys like Suyuncu, has been playing recently, but he's already been confirmed to leave to Atletico. Yep. Uh, Tillemans, his contract's going to expire. James Madison will 100% get a big move uh, when well, he has to now. 
Harvey Barnes probably as well, most likely, and probably a handful of other guys too. And the, the players they brought in defensively weren't good enough. They got rid of Schmeichel, their captain and goal. So they lost that stability in net and had a few injuries throughout the year. And uh, Brendan Rodgers has a lot of blame on his hands here for that three-year project to where they, this season, it seemed like whenever they had a bad result, they were like, oh, we, we're still who we are and yep. we'll, we'll just play the next result and it'll it'll fix itself with our talent. And it's a simple, simple equation of talent doesn't beat effort and, and pride and all that stuff, mumbo-jumbo, however you want to put it, but um, just the effort levels weren't there. It didn't equate with their talent and... They have 22 losses for a reason this year, the second most behind Southampton. And, um, yeah, I don't know. A bit of inflated egos got to them, and maybe they just couldn't take responsibility. Yeah. Um, okay, I think that is it. Oh, uh, the one more thing that I wanted to add was Curtis Jones had an unbelievable game. He looked like yeah. a reincarnation of Steven Gerrard. So keep that up buddy for the rest of the season and you'll earn yourself, you know, uh, a considerable spot in the midfield there, especially as the other guys age out and probably, uh, the affection of a lot of, of mercy side faithful. So, uh, yeah. that's, that's what you have to hope for. If you're Curtis Jones, keep that up and, and you will become a club legend. No question about that. I know it was just one game, but, um, not everybody can do what he did, and that's that's special stuff. Yeah, it makes you think where they have to reinvest and if they have enough where they in the midfield. But I think maybe they don't have to buy as many players as they, they think they do. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's move on to our predictions. We're at about an hour right now, so this one should be about an hour 10 for you. Uh, first game is on Thursday, Newcastle versus Brighton. A tough one. Newcastle currently in third. Uh, Brighton in sixth. Eight points divide the two teams, but both teams very, very good sides. Um, I'll go first. I think I am going to take Brighton in this one. After what I saw them do to Arsenal and what I saw Arsenal do to Newcastle, I think the transitive property tells me to go with the Seagulls. Yeah, I'm going with Brighton as well. The weird thing is they could be on such a high after that. 6-0 thumping of Wolves and a big win against United to getting blown out 5-1 to Everton. But it's uh, it's going to be a battle for possession, I think, for Aiden at the end of the day win. And uh, Zach's going to go with a draw. Okay. Uh, up next, Tottenham versus Brentford. Another strange one. Tottenham in 7th, Brentford in ninth, divided by 4 points. Uh, I'll take Spurs. I think, uh, I think I like Spurs this week. Yeah, they play significantly better at home it seems like when they have the fans backing them um but i think brentford's a tough team to break down a lot and when it comes to set pieces i think tottenham might get bullied a bit so yeah. i'm gonna take a draw here and zach's gonna agree with you he's gonna back spurs okay uh aston villa go to anfield to face liverpool saturday at 10 a.m uh, Liverpool at Anfield right now, it's tough because I like Villa and I like what they're doing, but I just cannot see Liverpool losing to Villa. It could be a draw, but I think I'm going to stick with Liverpool. Yeah, I think this is going to be a real test for Trent defensively because mm -hmm. uh, Villa have one of the best midfields so far since Unai's come in. They have a good camaraderie in there and they work hard. 
So seeing how he copes with the battle in there with the four central mids they play with should be interesting. But Liverpool only have one loss at home this year. And um, I think it continues with uh, Liverpool winning here. And uh, Zach's picking Liverpool as well. Okay. Then we have Wolves versus Everton. This one's a relegation scrap for Everton. And I think they stay up. I, I'm going to take them to beat Wolves here. Yeah, I believe a win here and a Leeds and Leicester lost confirms their safety. Yeah, if they win and the other two lose, they, they're safe. The problem is the road record's really bad. That Brighton win was only their second win on the road. Um, Wolves at home have done decent, but they have nothing to play for. It's going to be a battle. This game usually, I would say, finishes in a draw, but I think for the story to to end on a sweet note and them not having to sweat out the rest of the year. I think they win here. And um, Zach's going to go with the draw. Okay. Uh, up you took then. Everton there? I did. I took Everton. Okay, okay. Then we have United versus Bournemouth. This is like a, a huge letdown spot for United. This is the sort of game that they will lose. They're away from home against Bournemouth, who are in like, you know, head down, just cruise control. Uh, I'm going to take a draw. I, I don't think United show up and perform like the way everybody would expect. Uh, I'm thinking the opposite. I do agree it's going to be a bit of a challenge. It's a long drive down from the north of England all the way to the south coast. And they're on which the should beach. Be an, yeah, it should be an issue for them, but I think United know they have to get a result here um, before a tricky midweek result with Chelsea uh, and then ending the year off against a... A competitive Fulham team. This is a must-win. No, no laugh. No ifs, ands, or buts. They have to win this game, and I, I think they do. And so does Zach. Okay, and then we have up next Fulham versus Crystal Palace. I'm going to give you a couple games here for the first pick. Who do you got in that one? Uh, this is a tricky one. Obviously, similar to last week, Palace played Bournemouth, who were safe and. If Crystal Palace wins this game, I would think they're going to be above Chelsea. Obviously, Chelsea probably going to lose D to City, but this could be big for them pushing forward. They could finish uh, above Chelsea, which is a good feat for them. Um, but Fulham with Mitrovic, I don't know if Mitrovic is going to start with, we talked about Vinicius's form. Uh, but I'm going to go with a draw. I can't really decide. And then uh, Zach's taking Palace. Okay. Uh, I will take Palace in this one as well. Uh, Mitrovic probably will start if I had to venture a guess, but I think if Palace play even half the way they played last week, uh, they can still... What's up? I was just going to say, I don't know what his fitness is like. He had that eight-match ban. I don't know how hard he was training. Yeah, that's true. I mean, what did he get last week? 30 minutes? Yeah, he got like 25, 30 minutes. So maybe he'll get a half. Maybe he'll get a half. Um... Yeah, I'm going to take Palace. I mean, I guess that is a bit of an uncertainty. I shouldn't just assume that he'll get the start. Um, I think as they probably do for another goal here, especially if they play yeah. him right behind Ayu. Um, he's been he's been really really good. So I'll take I'll take Palace. I think Eze and Elise both have good games. Um, up next, Nottingham Forest versus Arsenal. Who do you got in that one? It's it's Forest's last home game. It's a win. Uh, same thing. Same thing with Everton. If they get a point, and the other two teams in the zone right now lose, they're safe. I think the fans are going to show out. It's going to be super loud against an Arsenal team that's probably going to be in the dumps. Um, yeah. But I, I think I have to back Arsenal here. 
but there's a little inkling to a draw or something here. You got to deal with Awanyi. Um, you got Salib or Saliba still out, and then uh, I don't know how Kirior is going to match up with Awanyi because he's hungry. He's got two braces in back-to-back games. He's going to look for another here, and uh, it's going to be a tense game. But if Arsenal can get that first goal, I think they'll be in cruise control. Yeah. Um, I will take a draw as well. I I don't know something. There's something strange about this game. I think really? I think Forest show up. Uh, Arsenal's performance last week against Brighton was bad. If we played that way against Nottingham Forest, we probably would have drawn them as well. So if the boys are are that upset, if the boys are gonna play like that this weekend, then I think we're gonna see a similar result. So I'll, I'll take a draw. I mean, Nottingham Forest obviously aren't as good as Brighton, but uh yeah i don't i don't think if we bring that to the table it's going to be enough to get three points yeah zach's taking arsenal okay um up next west ham versus leeds what do you got there i'm taking leeds so is zach the big sam effect west ham going to be coming with with tired legs once again they have that second leg of the conference league this thursday so they're going to be a bit heavy uh they're going to be at home though which is fortunate for them but Big Sam has a whole week to prepare for this game. It's going to be a dogfight, and I think they squeak out a win here to make it tense for that last game of the season. I'm going to take Leeds as well. Um, fitness is obviously an issue right now for West Ham. Uh, the people that they started last week were not the people that they should have started, and I think if we see Fornells again, if we see Ings again, they're going to have a tough time, uh, even against a really shaky Leeds defense. Leeds are absolutely battling to stay up right now. West Ham have pretty much guaranteed their safety. Uh, so I'm going to take Leeds as well. I think they, they're they trying their hardest to stay up. I, I've contradicted myself a bunch of times with Leeds because I it, depending on the week, depends where I pick them. But I do think they win this game. Uh, it's going to be really tight down the end uh, for the relegation sides, and I think Leeds make it even tighter with a win here. Mm-hmm. Brighton versus Southampton. I'll take Brighton in that one. I would imagine you'll do the same. Yeah, Zach and I are taking Brighton, but this would be the 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 wrench in the weekend of games to really mess things up. That'd be weird if Southampton do something here. Yeah, it would be... Eh, yeah, I don't know. If that happens, I'm going to be upset, but... I don't know if yeah we I don't know if they're gonna play youngsters or not if they're still gonna put out the first team but it is a way and it's gonna be a long day for them because Brighton's gonna have the ball for probably eighty percent yeah all you need is like a moment of brilliance from Matoma to just carve through like eight defenders so yeah if Brighton get the first goal it's it's gonna be over it's over yeah uh up up next Manchester City versus Chelsea what do we have there. Uh, this is a route for City, and this is going to be them winning the title here at home. So I don't, I don't see where Chelsea put any sort of performance up for here, um, especially with our fullbacks being both out of position and really young. If Chiloba and Lewis Hall are starting again, I mean, you might as well give Mares player of the match because Lewis Hall is going to be wanting to come off at halftime. Yeah, he's going to get cooked. It's gonna be a long day for us. Yeah, I'll take City as well. I don't. I don't really think we need to elaborate. I totally agree with your sentiment. So uh, it's taking City too. Okay, and then up next we have Newcastle versus Leicester City. I will take Newcastle on that one. Leicester probably on their way down. I think Newcastle win this one two or three nil. 
Yeah, Newcastle are going to have more fight. They want to finish top four, and I think that hunger is bigger than Leicester's hunger to stay up. So, yeah, I'm back in Newcastle, and so is Zach. Okay, and then we have two more games, Brighton versus Man City on Wednesday. This is one that I could see being a draw, especially if City have already won by then. Uh, I will take a draw on that one. Zach and I are taking City. I don't think you can out-City City. We see that with Arsenal, and yeah. I think we... I think Brighton and Pep, um, or Deserby and Pep have come out and said like Arsenal are the best pressing team in the league. And if Arsenal can't get the job done against City, I don't think Brighton can either. And we know the quality man for man is better with Arsenal. So got to go with City here. Okay, fair. And then our final game of the week, Manchester United versus Chelsea, a rematch of my favorite, favorite Champions League final of all time, 2007 in Moscow, in which Manchester United won. I think this one goes the same way. You're taking United? I am. Zach is taking United as well, and I'm taking a draw. Five straight draws in this match. I know, it's always so low scoring too. We talked about United's do a mistake. I think this is it. I think they don't expect a a Chelsea team to perform here after getting thumped by City potentially. Uh, both games are in Manchester, so they might stay up there for an extended period of time. Um, and I think I think Chelsea might pull off a weird one here, so opening the window for Liverpool to do something on the final day. All right, cool. Um, that is all of the games. Sorry, that's a bit of a longer episode, but it was the first time Matt and I were back together in a while, so it was nice. Um, thank you guys for listening. Make sure you check us out on social media at post 20 pod. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find all past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple podcasts until next week. Uh, take care of yourselves. Enjoy the games. Good luck with the rest of the season. Hopefully your team doesn't get relegated. Hopefully they make a move up the table. Um, thanks again for listening and we'll talk to you guys next week.